0: Welcome to All In, I'm Rick Jordan. Today, I'm the CEO of a large technology company, but in 2007, I lost it all. And now I'm here to share the lessons I've learned and the strategies my guests have used to build success from the bottom up. And In every episode, you'll get something to reach for and something to grab onto, whether it's personal development, business, technology, or giving back. You'll be able to ignite the spark in your life to make that change and transformation. So 10 years down the road from now, You'll be able to look back and say, I don't even know that person that I was. I'm so glad I decided to rise. I'm so glad I decided to stand up and actually begin to start, to ignite the spark, to go all in. Hey, welcome back to All In with Rick Jordan. I am Rick Jordan. And as I always ask, if you find something in this episode that you like, just one thing, whatever it is, Share it with one person. You find one thing you like, share it with one person because there's always something you can pull out of every single episode. I am joined today by Mark. And Mark, I'm sorry, I was not given your last name. I didn't look at your card when you walked in. Stock- Stockdale. Stockdale. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Very cool. Well, welcome, my man.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I'm excited you're here. I, I just threw my jacket on because you came in and you I know, had your I, 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 think I, yeah.
1: I, I think I think I, I broke the dress code, but... Uh... It's a nice
0: jacket. It's like a subtle window pane. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's just
1: to keep things keep things neutral. <laughs>
0: right on. <laughs> is that a lot of what you do is keeping things neutral?
1: Uh yes and no. I mean yeah. I, what I what I what I like to do is I like to keep things real. Good. I have a passion for what I do and uh being present every day is, is important for me. Oh, right on.
0: Right on. That, that, we're going to touch on that because that's huge for me is being present where you're at in the moment. You know, you're always going after future endeavors. But unless you have some sort of presence right now in what's happening at the moment, you really never get anything done.
1: Oh, that's so true. And if and it, how many times are you somewhere but your mind's somewhere else, right? Oh, yeah. So you sure. have to be engaged and you have to be committed to what you're doing at that moment. You got so it. You got it. You can be your true self. Yay. Awesome. So what do you do? If you could summarize that in just a couple of sentences for everyone. I am a independent consultant that specializes in U.S. Hispanic marketing. Oh, fun. So marketing to the Hispanic market itself. I wouldn't say necessarily directly as the only target. Think of it this way. I help organizations understand how to open their aperture Okay. So that what they're doing then make, becomes inclusive of that audience as well. Well, oh, that's cool. Give me an example of that. Um, an example would be I was at a big telecom here in Seattle, and I helped them understand what they needed to do to make sure that not only they were addressing what it was called the core market, but also making sure that they're captivating the audience that happens to be U.S. Hispanic. Awesome. So channels of communication, obviously very important. Language is very important. But there's a lot of subtleties in the culture that you have to make sure you go back and audit what you're doing to offer your value proposition to that consumer yeah, to make yeah. sure that it's it, it, it fits what their expectations are. So it's not like you're creating something different. You make it part of the integrated marketing plan that they're doing. Okay. But basically, like I'm saying, right now they're marketing to the typical white Anglo community. Yeah. You yeah. open their aperture so that they understand what they need to do to get a larger audience. For their product. Right on.
0: All businesses want to grow. Pretty much. Absolutely. And while there is a lot of truth to honing in on the demographic or your target market, if I could call it that, there's also these tertiary markets. And this could be one of them where I see that. So you're talking about broadening your scope so that you can integrate the other markets, those tertiary markets, and have them become part of your
1: target market. That that is correct. And, um, You know, when you start to understand the subtleties and also the very obvious uh, population trends of the Hispanic population, for example, LA is over almost 50% Hispanic. Oh, goodness. Wow. So if you're not doing something to speak to that audience, you're not maximizing or optimizing what you're doing in that market. Sure. And I'm sure that differs depending on the geography of the United States, wherever you're at. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So you think nationally as far as the opportunity is nationally, but you go local by market by market because there's some markets that it's what you would call the minority majority. Sure. But in other markets like Denver where the Hispanic market is close to 30%, you have to do something there as well. Absolutely. Well, it's still almost a third. What's That's huge. It's enormous. Right on. And there's a lot of companies who are seeing their market share go because they don't understand what's happening in in the larger macroeconomics of this economy that we're having a diversity explosion. And it has to do with the natural population evolution of this country. I love that. So there is a time where people got fixated, okay, we've got the model, now this model is set, but it's not stagnant. Yeah, yeah. This target demographic is constantly evolving. And when you understand it, it's a market that not only is culturally relevant to themselves, It's a target demographic that has a much younger skew. On average, average, the Hispanic market is between 12 and 14 years younger than the non-Hispanic. So depending on, and this is the challenge that I have when I'm talking to a new client, is how do you base the right argument so that it makes sense to themselves? And the one that I find the most convincing is when you tell a company, think of that who's out there, who is either in need of or demands the services you're offering. And in most wow. cases, it's what you would call the starter family generation, is what the baby boomers were back in they were, World yeah. War II. for sure. The starter family that needs to buy their first home, they need their first car, they need uh, clothing for school, they need medical services. So a lot of companies get all excited when they realize, wow, there is this core demographic that is all obviously exploding because they're starting their family yeah yeah and then when you turn around and you can say well guess what a overwhelming majority of those starter family are Hispanic that then takes them aback but you've already given them the context that this is large sure and they're not adverse to your product you're just not doing anything currently right now to court them That's amazing you know we already, you've already sucked me in which
0: is great <laughs> <laughs> with all of this because this is like going deep dish business. Today and I I love this because there's a lot of what I do that is personal development, business development, coaching, you know, inspirational. But then the other side of it is very, very hardcore. Let's make money and let's figure out how to support people in that aspect too. You know, job creation and also serving really everybody that exists. And you know, there's a. I'm not going to get really political on this, but I'm just going to lay it out because there's a lot of things that are just sort of brushed over. It's almost like the white elephant in the room. You know, correct Mexico is literally our next door neighbor. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is why we have such a, just like Canada is to the north, you know, and whatever you feel about the two countries, it doesn't matter so much. I mean, look at Europe and how how well a lot of those countries intermingle. You know, sometimes don't, but for the majority of it, they have mm-hmm. some great free trade and some great crossover as far as jobs and economics and all that. And we really are in a world economy now. It's not to where we're isolated from everyone else. And this is not a political statement at all. It just is what it is. I could you agree know, with that, you more. That's, that's how I see this. So... This country was built on immigrants. It was built from people, you know, born out of those from other countries. We're really only into like second, third, and maybe sometimes fourth gen legit. Americans, you know, mm-hmm. from from those who were here to begin with. Now, so this country is still really, really young, you know. And it, this, is, I love this because this is just the straight truth, which is also just a segment on here. Is that Americans are literally a mix, and there is this thing called the American dream that is sort of pushed aside. So when I hear a lot of companies that still just target white Anglo's, that's it. Mm-hmm. They are missing out. And business growth is what everybody wants. I mean, everybody who's an entrepreneur who wants to dive into these things says, hey, I'm not doing this just to get by. I'm doing this to to blow up in a good way. I'm doing this to expand. I'm doing this to serve people. Now we have our next door neighbors. That are right there. You know, you're getting me all passionate about this now, too, because isn't that – is that not the American dream, you know, is being able to build a great life? And you're talking about starter families, which is huge. I mean, I look at myself, you know, back 12 years ago when I had nothing, zero. You know, it was laid off from the last job that I ever worked for somebody else at, and my twins were born a week later, Mm -hmm. you know, and we were the starter family, my wife and I were, you know, bought a condo, a small condo as our first home, never rented, just bought a place, saw it double in value over the course of 7 years and then crash <laughs> when everything came about so it was almost like a reset button mm-hmm. right at that point in time but you're saying that that uh, if I can relate to that that's really where the Hispanic market is and that's how marketing should be geared towards them to include what they're already doing in their current marketing plan whatever the business is how, now is there a certain here's a question is there a certain size of business that this would apply to you know is it more beneficial for a large corporation To be inclusive of this, because I'm sure you can say, hey, you know, like LA in your example, right? You have over 50% of the population that is Hispanic now a large corporation let's say like gm because you also mentioned auto you know mm-hmm. cuz they're buying their first home they're buying their first car mm-hmm. cuz they're a starter family so if it's gm gm looks at la and says oh maybe we should do something <laughs> for those families you know maybe we should look at that starter family because they are hispanic and they take up over 50% of the population that's like a broad stroke exactly to to say we can include them and we can literally almost double our business and at the
1: same time serve more people Correct. No, and what you're intonating is very important because what I do is nothing new. Yeah. I'll tell you, Hispanic marketing has been around for 25, 30 years. There's been companies that are what I would call black belts in the space. Okay. And they all started with the mass consumer good companies, companies that make food product, companies like Procter & Gamble, Gillette, automotive agencies. I can't tell you. There are... Way on their way because they realize that as a total population, yeah. because they have national distribution, they have very strong Hispanic programs already in play. And I'd love oh, to give great. I'd love to give you an example of what, something that will vary, so you understand how it can apply. But more importantly, your point is very is very um, precise. It's not just large companies, the large, massive conglomerates are already doing this i'm talking about that second to third tier okay the home mortgage business now is all of a sudden realizing that 60 percent of the people who are buying their first home are hispanic that's but they, huge but they're what, what's happening is that they're they keep marketing their their mortgage service as if they were only selling it to anglo uh saxon uh, families that's crazy to me because that's that's almost
0: like a it's a good starting point, you know, and exactly. I, I hate the, the term side hustle because it's not it. But if you're going, I mean, this is all in with Rick Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel that no matter what you're doing, you should be all in. If you're all in as a mor- mortgage broker, and of course, the regulations are way different now and more strict than they were 10 years ago mm-hmm. in this. But if you want to jumpstart a business as a mortgage broker, it sounds like you could have a much easier
1: time and have a faster ramp up period if you're inclusive, And that's and that's it. So it sort of becomes this chicken of the egg, right? And so until it becomes a critical mass to you as a business. Yeah. Sometimes you're you can see it coming, and you start taking the steps to work towards it because it's a journey. Absolutely. An organization has to learn and integrate their own cultural intelligence to understand how to do this profitably. It's not this waking up tomorrow and saying, let's talk to our advertising agency, go out and sponsor a soccer tournament, and, well, guess what? You're going to have a disastrous result because you haven't queried the consumer. You don't know what insight is prevalent for your category. What do you want to highlight? What tweaks do you have to do to your operating models? There's a lot of nuanced things. Yeah. But what I can tell you as a consumer base, the Hispanic market, it's not like they act differently to what any other consumer will do. They over-index on a lot of things, really, and on, huh. and and on some things they under-index. But you know, when I started my my career in in telecom, when I went uh, did the Hispanic program for this wireless company, they were under the assumption that well, again, the stereotypical, but yeah. you have to deal with it. They earn less. Per household, henceforth, they're not going to be as susceptible to a contract plan, so they're not as beneficial. But as soon as they realize that that's not the case, in fact, they have a higher what's called an ARPU, average revenue per user. Yeah, right on. They have more phones per family because they have larger families. Yep. And all of a sudden, they start to see the business materialize. Sure. But it, the first step is bringing that that awareness in a way that becomes intuitive. And I don't know if you understand the difference between it becoming intuitive versus me telling you something just for the purpose of telling you and you nod your head and you turn around and your problem is you need to hit your numbers for that quarter and no, I don't have time to be distracted to this. Well, point being, this population is growing, continues to grow. The vast majority were born here. So this concept of it all being immigrant in the first generation is, is untrue, yeah, but they yeah. retain a lot of their culture and there's a lot of reasons for that. So unless you're sensitive to that and understand that it's not a matter of whether you're going to wait for them to start being as proficient in English as they are in Spanish, sure. they're bilingual. They operate in two universes as, as, a, as a cultural population. It's not like, you know, I would say, <laughs> it's interesting, years ago... Even the Hispanic community, the marketing community, use the word assimilation, and that's farthest from the truth. Assimilation is what I always say happens on Star Wars: you assimilate something new and you drop something, right? You you leave your past and you become something different. Sure. In this case, you become bicultural, and you're living every day. You're living in a 100% dual environment. Where you're speaking Spanish with abuelita and parents, but you're perfectly comfortable in English talking to your friends on the street. You're eating your typical food, but you're consuming uh, general market media and entertainment. You're constantly going back and forth. It's not a a monolingual um, um, relationship. And because much of the Hispanic market live in multi-generational homes, you're marketing to the entire family. Yeah, yeah. So to give you a point in case, a perfect example, and this is the communication side of it only. And I'm not saying it's what you need to focus on if you have not been involved in Hispanic marketing. But take Toyota. Toyota doesn't build a separate car for different demographics. It's the same car for everybody. Yeah. yeah. So their minivan... One of the the, best sellers, period. The Sienna... They had uh, in the last couple of years a campaign where on the general market side it's only the mom that is the decision maker on the car. I like the yeah. seats I like the trunk space. it becomes a meme because I'm the I'm gonna be the user and I'm the purchaser so it's more important for me to, to make the dis- determination. same exact vehicle in the Hispanic ad, you have everybody in the family taking play. The kids love the reclining seats. Dad likes the sunroof. Grandpa likes the the third row seat so he can stretch out. Yeah. Exactly the same product. So companies don't really have to alter their product with the exception of specific foods, right? Like uh, things that you eat. Of course. Of course. Which are very culinary specific. But generally speaking, you don't have to make a different cell phone. What you'll find is that the Hispanic market might use the international calling with more frequency because they have relatives abroad. Which a lot of the major wireless companies now, because you say
0: you started in Telco, they include the calling now. Exactly. To Mexico for that reason. But when we first started,
1: we had to create specific packages in order to entice that consumer to say, you can call Mexico and you don't have to go use a landline. Sure. So subtleties again there there it's yeah, but the, yeah. but it really comes down to the strategy being something that you can integrate upstream from the planning process it's not just a communication execution and how you'd go about it is critical yeah like in any Business, there is a pantheon of graves you can run over of missed opportunities because the thought was correct, maybe the heart was in the right place, but the execution was poorly done. Right on. So it it's it's a confluence and it takes the same determination, it takes the same intent, but more importantly, the same gusto to go after the Hispanic market like you would any other market. Yeah. yeah. You can't fast track it. And you just can't brush it off as a one-off quarterly experiment. Sure, because sure. you have to build off of that. So, as you can tell, I'm very passionate about this topic. Yeah, a little bit.
0: Here's a question for you: How did you get into this? In the you know, I'm a, obviously you've been in this space for a long time. What launched you into this space? I mean, was there an epiphany at some moments, or was there just a genuine "I see this need, and I'm going to go after this
1: and see what happens"? Where did you, how did you begin down this journey? Well, I'll, I, I'm going to preface this because I'm going to go back to the beginning of our conversation, how you uh, rightly talked about how the U.S. came together as yeah. an immigrant. It's a it's a human migration experiment. Yes. Well, I'm part of a human migration experiment, but it was in Mexico. My great-grandfather huh. moved to Mexico uh, from Europe. To, he worked in the mining business. He married the daughter of another miner, uh, a daughter of another miner's. That's how my grandparents met. So I'm actually Fun. I'm actually third generation born and raised in Mexico. Wow. Uh, so I was brought up speaking English at home because I was part of the Anglo-Saxon community in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. But basically culturally being Mexican everywhere else in my life. So the reason I'm bringing this up is that I learned from early on how to not only... Be part of the culture. I've also professionally worked in Mexico for many years. I didn't leave until I was 32. So I worked at PepsiCo and I worked in a lot of yeah. advertising yeah. agencies. And then I translated to do a lot of U.S. Uh, business that is in Latin America. So I was basically managing uh, channels of distribution through distributors, representatives for brands in Latin America. So I after doing that... And I had already moved to the States. I realized that I was tired of the Latin American only focus. So it's pretty much, I know how to market to the Hispanic in their country of origin. Now I just have to retweak it and learn how to market to the Hispanic that lives in this country. Oh, wow. And I mean, I'm obviously making it lighter than it is. Took some work. Yeah, yeah. But... The, 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 the intuitive process of understanding the cultural nuance is something that I've had since birth, if you think of it from that perspective. Sure. Now, I have to learn channels of communication, and there's nuances. You're very high into tech, right? Yeah, you got it. Well, the Hispanic market, and again, because they're a younger demographic, tend to have a higher adoption rate of cell phones, of smartphones, higher adoption rate of, of uh, web pages. They're, they're higher. They have a higher penetration in Facebook than the Anglo uh, community does, for example. See, and this is the golden segments, really, for any marketer. And that's you exactly know, it. They
0: drive the highest prices for TV commercials, radio commercials, every kind of ad <laughs> for mm-hmm. this demographic. This is what everyone migrates towards, and saying this is where the gold is. This is where you can really expand, really grow. And if they're not including this, they're
1: just shooting themselves in the foot. Well, that's, that's what ex- I'm hearing yeah and that's exactly it so my migration as a professional was you know having been brought up in Latin yeah. America moving to the states and then turning my my professional focus to the Hispanics that now live in the US okay and it's been part of my journey if you want to call it that that's awesome okay. so here's a question for you then because we've talked a lot about the larger corporations
0: and how mm-hmm. they're, they're really kind of blazing the trail you know, I start to think they do have the resources. I mean, they have large marketers, <laughs> a, a huge marketing team. Mm-hmm. So when someone like you comes in and says, I don't know, maybe you're the only one that comes in and says, "Hey, you're missing out on a huge opportunity to serve a great bunch of people over here." What about the businesses that are smaller, you know, cuz a lot of America is built upon small business. There's Correct. a lot of entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of sub $10 million in revenue businesses and even a lot of sub $1 million businesses. You know, I was just mentioning on a previous show that the average small business owner takes home, and this is ridiculous to me still, about $59,000 a year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it's really, really low. And you're not considered a millionaire, at least by the IRS standards, until you're in the 300s or something like that. You know, you can Mm -hmm. do over a million in revenue, but your take home, you know, wherever it falls into play. So there's obviously food differences, you know, or just like you talk, the subtle nuances. You know, for a telco company, that's, well, yeah, they have family in a different country we should include calling <laughs> to those countries. And that that's one of the obvious things, probably not so obvious when it all started. But where are a couple of things that, you know, where most of America lives, that those entrepreneurs, those business owners, what are a couple of things, maybe three things to where they can look to really make a big impact immediately into marketing to the Hispanics, you know, if they're doing sub-10 million dollars in revenue?
1: Well, I think first and most utmost, it's Companies have to realize that it's not a matter of ha- needing an incremental amount of resources. And I'll explain why. Sure. Any company first has to understand where is their commercial f- footprint. That could be a, a footprint that is online only. Yeah. Or you have distribution that your product reaches X, Y, Z. Right? So I'll I'll go back to my telco uh, experience. Yeah. The company was growing rapidly. They continued opening new stores, but they were opening opening the stores in your typical areas. When I was able to bring attention to saying, well, if you open a store in this area versus where you would typically do, you're gonna see a higher rate of return on that investment. And the Hmm. company said, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Yeah, same store. Just put it in a Hispanic neighborhood, and I can guarantee you, you're going to get a higher sales quota. Oh, wow. We did one experiment like that, and that's all it took. After that, they never looked back. Other examples is if a company, for example, is in LA, and they're spending their marketing dollars in English language media only, which is the biggest expense. Granted that they make sure they're doing the other things correctly. They just have to reallocate what they're spending. Now, it's going to make their agency pissed off because no agency likes to see money taken away from them to be given to a other vendor relation. Sometimes, unfortunately, that's what happens. But it's in the best interest of the company to understand that sometimes to optimize your opportunity, you just have to reinvest what you're already spending. It's not like you have to go and ask for an extraordinary loan to tap into something new. Wow! You can do it in increments so that it starts paying for itself – And before you know it, your total sales are going up. Obviously, your uh, return on investment is going up, and you're able to generate more cash to reinvest in the business. Sure. And that's how you keep growing the business. So it's not you're taking from Peter to pay Paul here. Yeah, yeah. So the best way to for anybody, and again, I don't want to generalize, but you have to know what kind of business we're relating to. But typically speaking, I don't know of any business that does not have an opportunity to tap into this demographic and not see it be a positive impact on their bottom line. More so than the general market in some cases. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. You know, there's a scenario that's going through my head. I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, please, <laughs> with this. Because, I, I mean, I'm big into fitness. You know, I've had some mm-hmm. fitness experts on the show too, and supplements is a huge thing mm-hmm. uh, across the country right now. Why? Because it's easy, and there's this misnomer that everyone can just take a magic pill that's a supplement and burn <laughs> fat, right? Because, <laughs> and the fit, every single fitness ex- expert agrees. that has been on the show that supplements is the last thing. You You know, first, even before exercise, it has to do with proper nutrition. Then you move to exercise and the right regimen with that for you because different people are different. And then you complement it with Exactly. You got it. So let's say we're in that phase, you know, because it. But supplements again—they're a pill. They're easy. You know, I take several of them every morning. I'm fit. That mm-hmm. is the last step that I added in. Without even knowing it, I did it right. You know, mm-hmm. so I started with food, then I added exercise, and then I added supplements, and all this helped me lose eighty pounds a few years back, which is awesome. Congratulations! And thank you. A supplement store or an online. Supplement company, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a lot that will say, "Oh, I'm just going to go online and start supplements." You know, ClickFunnels is a big thing. Russell Brunson is a huge deal, and there's a lot that will say, "I've got this formula," you know, this this specific compound that will help with X. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think of, you know, and I am no means a medical expert, but I think of, you know, like the African American community. There's a greater prevalence of anemia. Within mm-hmm. the African American community, so they might need more iron, <laughs> as an example. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're presented with a supplement business. You know, they might have a, a retail store, a brick and mortar, or they might be online. They just do maybe mm-hmm. two or three million dollars a year, and they're in L.A. You know, or let's mm-hmm. even say they're in even in I think you said Denver, Colorado, to where the per- percentage of the population that's Hispanic is 30. Mm-hmm. percent How would someone like that just? take those increments that you're talking about and saying, I'm going to take some of this here and invest over there, and then we'll see what happens. We'll try to grow revenue that way. You know, what would they need to look at? You know, maybe just one big thing, one big big area.
1: Well, since within the world of pharmaceutical and yeah. medical, uh, I, I don't de- delve in that. I've done some work for uh, actually for a hospital in uh, in Denver If I'm a supplement company, I want to make sure I'm finding out what's what's part of my portfolio because obviously there is, you know, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You want to hone in on a supplement that you know would have relevance to this demographic, and I will just take it out there that uh, the demographic tends to have a higher propensity of high blood pressure and diabetes. Oh wow. So find the huh. supplement that will help address that, for example. Yeah, and that's just an idea. So to me, the point is, your product needs to have that affinity. You're not going to be a, a, a uh, what did they call it snake oil salesman? Yeah, right on. yeah. Uh, the whole uh, health fitness craze, I can't say, is as popular with the Hispanic market as it is in, in other yeah. demographics. But I do believe that in, in product like supplements, there are a certain set of product lines especially for women and for medical reasons, that you would want to tap into. I mean, beauty care, for example, is an enormous industry. And if you look at all the companies like Revlon, uh, uh, Yves Saint Laurent, and all of those, they're all now starting to realize, and they're actually – they have Latin talent. So there's other categories that traditionally were not involved in – Talking to that demographic. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're just like, Wow, we've you know, we were asleep at the wheel or in fairness to them, they had to wait until the competitor started doing something yeah. to really shake their attention and going, Hey, wait a minute we're missing out on this golden opportunity. Right on.
0: Th- this really seems cuz I, I mean there's a lot of large supplement companies that exist. I mean mm-hmm. billions of dollars, you know, as far as revenues go. But then there's the the smaller entrepreneurial types that have supplement stores or have an online presence mm-hmm. and this sounds like a way to where they really to your point can compete. <laughs> With the larger, or at least expand their own life and their own reach. Because a lot of these companies, of course, depend on social media ads. That's the biggest thing, you know, or Google AdWords, whatever, for their marketing, their advertising, to get the word out about them. And it's very easy to target a demographic, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially ethnicity. It's very simple to target those demographics, you know, with whatever type of audience you're using on social media. But it's, what I'm hearing you say is, it's actually fairly simple because in everything you just said, using my example of the supplement store, it's not like you're creating a new product. No, it's something you already have that you're already doing that just needs to be highlighted for this community, which is awesome to me because you can take. You just have to find out what that community needs, what that demographic needs. In this case, the Hispanic community. You know, you said that I didn't know this, which is intriguing to me that they have a higher prevalence of high blood pressure and diabetes, right? Mm-hmm. You obviously, if you're a supplement store that covers the whole gamut, you obviously have supplements for that. (laughs) You know, there are certain things that will help control that. I can't remember what they are, but I know they exist. There's a supplement for everything, you know, that that exists out there. You can highlight that just in your social media ads, specifically to that demographic
1: already within your your geographical reach. That and, you're serving right now. Yeah. and That's a simple shift. And don't be disappointed if other things within your product mix aren't, don't have the same level of demand or aren't yeah. picked up as you've already hit the, you know, the, the nail with the hammer. Yeah. You found yeah. something in your mix. I mean, I'll go back to the example of Telco. Guess who, were the, who has a higher propensity to sign up for family plans? <laughs> the hispanic
0: community yeah that's awesome
1: so if the company is like yeah but they're not buying individual plans with the same rate well of course not yeah but what 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 are you complaining about right yeah you got it you're finding a way into this demographic that is you know a shoe-in yeah because it's what they're looking for you just might have to make it
0: look a little different or when you target that you know I uh, I don't know why I'm stuck on this example, but you also said that you opened up, you worked with a client to where you just opened up a store Mm -hmm. in a a Hispanic community. If you're going to open up a supplement store in the Hispanic community, to me, it seems, I mean, this is really dumbing it down, of course, but... Take those high blood pressure and diabetes supplements and put them on the first end cap that somebody sees when they walk into your store. <laughs> product assortment. Product assortment is exactly it. Exactly. That's the same as highlighting that in a social media ad. You know, somebody walking in that foot traffic, they're going to see what they
1: need right there and be, oh my gosh, this mm-hmm. store is for me. <laughs> Pretty much. And and what's interesting from a language standpoint. It's not like you're asking or you're expecting the consumer to choose English over Spanish or yeah. Spanish over English. You do bilingual material. Easy. Easy. Because what you will find is, for example, one of the insights is the Hispanic market yeah. sees any kind of shopping sort of like a social experience. Sure. It's not sure. a nuisance to go to the supermarket. You actually will go with your cousin, your aunt, your mom, and the kids will go to the store, and I'll you know give you examples... To nauseam yeah, where the yeah. kid, unless there's somebody on the on the show floor who can speak Spanish, the kid is actually the translator for the parent. Huh. But it would be nice for the parent to be able to read something in language. Absolutely. And the kid also to have a choice to decide: in what mood do I feel like uh, interacting in English yeah. or in Spanish? Yeah. It's not so. It, it's 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 almost like a binary. Value here. That's so
0: fantastic. You know, and even outside of the Hispanic community and the examples in your expertise, this is, there's a concept in business, you know, find a niche Mm -hmm. and then go after that, you know, because there's no way that you can be great at everything. And while that's so true, you know, it it is, I've always taken it as a hey, you're good at this and you're good at serving this community, so start there. Mm -hmm. That's your foundation. That's your, your, your building blocks, so to mm-hmm. speak, but when you get to a point to where you can take some risk, you can shift some spending, some marketing funds from your primary demographic over to someone else, over to somewhere else, and that would be a way to expand. That mm-hmm. would be a way to grow. You know, so let's say you just go, you know, in the tech area, you know, one of my most profitable demographics is plaintiff attorney firms Mm -hmm. that, you know, not defense attorneys, but it is plaintiff attorneys because they don't charge hourly rates. They get a percentage of the final settlement or the the suit, whatever's awarded Mm -hmm. and case expenses on top of that. You know, so it's not ambulance chasers, you know, because, I mean, these are people that actually deal with, you know, the the birth injuries, you know, legitimate things that happen or, you know, or the the brain surgeon is drunk when he goes into surgery and doesn't screw on the halo tight enough so the head drops off. I mean, serious stuff like that, you know, (laughs) to where there's Mm -hmm. 20 million, 30 million, 40 million Awarded at the end of the settlement or the suits, whatever it is, you know. But they are some of the most profitable because they have legit needs for technology, and they have to make deadlines for these filings. They have to turn things around so fast. So it's important for them to stay up all the time. It's a niche, mm-hmm. right? Which I found very successful for me. However, when I took those same principles and started looking at, you know what? There's manufacturing over here. <laughs> they re- even though they are completely different business types. One is, you know, making a widget or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and one is actually fighting for somebody's human rights. In an essence, right? Both of them have the same foundational techniques. If the manufacturing line shuts down because of a computer glitch, they no longer make revenue. They cannot ship. They Correct. need to make deadlines, mm-hmm. just like the attorneys <laughs> have to make deadlines. You know, so in your example of the Hispanic community versus white Anglo, you know. There are some pretty foundational needs that are the same between these, and it's likely a product offering or a service that you already have existing, but you're just not thinking about it from the right perspective, and you're just not thinking about it saying, if I just shift this one piece
1: of my message, Mm -hmm. I can serve this amazing group of people over here. And you're hitting something very important is the vast majority of the organizations that I work with, they don't have to... Create something new in order yeah. to serve the Hispanic market. It's the exact same product. You just have to make sure you're serving it the exact same product in a desirable way. That's so awesome, man! I love this.
0: You know, uh, we're nearing the end of the show, and there's this segment that I have on the show called the one thing. You mm-hmm. uh, know, I always leave it up to the listeners, the subscribers, to pull out one thing. I feel like it's everyone's individual responsibility. Like when you go to a conference, even though the conference can suck you still can always pull one good thing out of that and and change your life the next day with that. Mm -hmm. But I always ask my guests, so it's the second time I'm putting you on the spot. (laughs) Not at all. If, If you can leave everyone with just one thing today, what would that be?
1: Curiosity. Awesome, in what way? I would say if you have the slightest inclination this is something you want to understand, the internet now is a bastion of information on U.S. Hispanic population just read up on it have people come up with their own conclusions versus carrying a litany of stereotypes that have propagated educate yourself on what this opportunity is and then you make the determination whether you want to bring it forward whether you're an individual contributor or you're part of a large organization you know it's time to change the times are changing and companies that stay stagnant end up going off into oblivion yeah they're gonna die for for that same reason so demographically this country continues to change it's not going to slow down so either companies at at a much larger scale in number of companies, not just the massive fortune 500 and a lot of, you know, QSR restaurant chains. There's a lot of these secondary categories and businesses that need to understand that they have to embrace the demographic shift that's taking place in this country. And if not, you're going to become irrelevant because your current target is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. I love that, my man. Thank you. Where can everyone find you online, social media, wherever? Uh, Online, I'm at newmajorityconsulting.com. Very cool. And um, on LinkedIn also under Mark Stockdale, New Majority Consulting. And I love helping people open their eyes to what's, already here
0: that's great you know you've uncovered a lot here today and i appreciate that my man that's a good starting point i think for anyone who's listening because it's a lot it's a whole spread of people that listen to the show and you're a good person for them to contact because sometimes it's just hard to think outside the box because it's just something new and that sounds like where you really really help them just to say well if you think about this you really could expand over here i love it awesome thank thank you you for the opportunity This was fantastic awesome thanks mark Hey, thanks for going all in with me today. Subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out every Monday. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Follow me on social media at Mr. Jordan. As always, you can find links and references to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. And finally, share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message.